Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 300 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm doing all right, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always better when speaking with you. Uh, we're going to start with the review part of the show. Only one guest this week. We will be speaking to him soon. Um, we're going to start here with a card that took place last Friday, July 9th, in the Bank of California Stadium, Los Angeles, USA. Over here on the undercard, a couple friends of the show um, came up short, which was a bit sad. Um, We're going to start here with Sulem Urbina, the Mexican flyweight contender. She boxed for the WBA World Female Flyweight title against the champion Naoko Fujioka, who I think is something like a four or five weight world champion, something impressive like that. She was able to win the fight, Fujioka, now 19-2 with a draw, a majority decision over 10 two-minute rounds. Sulem Urbina, I really wanted her to, of course, win the, the world title. That would have been amazing for her, but it wasn't to be. Um, one really wide card in the end, a, a suspicious card, really, from Lou Moret, 99-91. The rest of the cards were close, like we say. Um, elsewhere on that card, we had Hector Tanahara, another friend of the show. He's been a prospect knocking around for quite a while on those Golden Boy shows. Um, he was looking to move to 20-0. and 0. It wasn't to be for him. He's now 19-1. and 1. His corner pulled him out after six rounds. A brave corner there um, with, with Robert Garcia in that corner. Um, so, yeah, a six-round retirement win for William Zapida, now 23-0. and 0. I think he's got 21 KOs. He is a big puncher. Um, Tanahara just couldn't keep him off. He didn't respect Tanahara's power. And Tanahara was opting to trade with him. It was It was crazy. Um, he showed a good chin as well, Tanahara. He's been on the floor before from guys that I guess don't punch as hard as as Zapida. I think he's only been down once. I shouldn't say guys. But um, yeah, that one was for the vacant WBA Continental America's lightweight title. Also on the card, 10K Tsunami. She was defending her WBO female light flyweight title. She boxed Sinisa Estrada. Um, Sinisa Estrada was able to dethrone the champion. She's the new champion. Um, she's now 21-0. and 0, A unanimous decision there over 10 two-minute rounds. I like Sinisa Estrada. Who doesn't? A bit of a breath of fresh air in women's boxing. Elsewhere on the card, Joseph Jojo Diaz was able to move to 32-1 with a draw. Um, it was for the WBC Interim World Lightweight title. I don't think he really should stay up at lightweight. I think he is too small for that. We're remembering 
his best kind of performances were at 126. He moved up to 130, obviously beat Tevin Farmer. Now he's up at 135. I think he's too heavy, but a good win for him. Uh, but just personally, I think he should go back down to 130. But anyways, it was against Javier Fortuna, Fortuna who always shows up and gives it a good go. He's now 36-3 and three with a draw. Like I say, Diaz, 32-1 and one with a draw. Um... Tough opponent, really, for a move up to lightweight. So I give him a lot of credit. I like Diaz, but that was the way I saw the fight going. I expected him to win on points, and he did. Uh, the main event, Gilberto Ramirez, now 42-0. and A knockout win for him in four rounds against Sullivan Barrera. Little bit of a statement for me. Barrera now 22-4, and down twice in round four. I think he was down once in round three as well. All from body shots. He seemed to catch him in the body um, Ramirez and he wouldn't let off and I was really surprised by that because he wasn't really and isn't really a puncher and especially kind of moving up to 175 from 168 I didn't think that he would be much of a puncher and I think that Barrera he's been down a few times mainly with shots to the head he gets back up he doesn't really get stopped and um, I thought it was quite a you know, an impressive victory. I know it was from body shots and, you know, just because you can take a shot and you've got a good chin upstairs doesn't mean you can take a good shot to the body. I've never seen him hurt like that to the body. So Ramirez was able to figure that out. Credit to him. Good win, like I say, and impressive to get Barrera out of there in four rounds. Barrera's another friend of the show. So this card was quite cruel. There was four people on the card that are friends of the show. Three of them lost. Um, but yeah, happy for Jojo Diaz, who was the one that, that did get the victory. Did you see any of that show there? It was on the zone, Eddie? No, no, I missed it, man. I missed it. Busy, crazy busy. That's okay. Moving out now to the Melbourne Pavilion in Flemington, Victoria, Australia. Over here, Sam Solomon, former middleweight world champion, 46-16 and 16 now with a draw. He lost over 10... Over over ten rounds unanimously to Victor Nagbe, who was only three and zero, now four and zero. Perhaps a name to look out for. Haven't um, heard of him until this fight got made here. So perhaps that's one to look out for to beat Sam Solomon, who, by the way, is well past it, but still a former world champion in only a full fight. That that speaks a few you know a few languages there. Um, Moving out now to the Balawan Shellac Sports Palace in Kazakhstan. One fight to mention over here. Sultan Zurbek, now 11-0. He was able to unanimously beat over 10 rounds. Ronnie Clark, who's now 21-5 with two draws. It was for the vacant WBO European Super Featherweight title. Um, good to see Clark back. I think he'd been out the ring about three and a half years. He was a really good fighter at one point. I'm not sure if his best days are now behind him. Um, you know, like I say, he was a he was a really uh, tricky fighter and a character as well. He used to dye his hair red and stuff like that. Have it cane road back. Um, the white guy from Scotland. <laughs> anyway, moving out now to the Royal Albert Hall in Kensington, London, United Kingdom. Over here, let's start with the undercard. Um, a win for Sam Noakes. He's now 6-0. Perhaps one to watch for the future. He was able to get his opponent out of there. His opponent, Lee Connolly, retired on his store at the end of three. His corner pulled him out. Doesn't really get stopped. I think he's only been stopped seven or eight times in his 
57 losses. He's now 7-57 and 57 with 5 draws. Elsewhere on the card, a win for Lee Glover over 6 rounds on points. Uh, sorry, a win for Muhammad Ali over 6 rounds on points to Lee Glover. My apologies. Wins for uh, Carol Itauma and Levi Frankham. Elsewhere on the card, a win for Dennis McCann. He was able to get his man out there in 2 rounds. John Chua, who's now 20-5. and five. Dennis McCann, 10-0. and 0. Um... Quite impressive to get his man out of there in just two rounds. I fancied that fight could go late or even maybe even go to points. Archie Sharp, now 20-0. We'll be speaking to him in a few moments. He was able to win unanimously over 10 rounds against Diego Andre Chavez, who's now 13-5 with two draws. It was for the vacant WBO Global Super Featherweight title. Archie Sharp um, suffered quite a bad cut. I think he suffered two pretty bad cuts, and he is ranked number two in the world with a WBO. Perhaps he'll move up to number one after that win there. We shall see. He wants the winner of Shakur Stevenson, Jamel Herrin. Elsewhere on the card, Lyndon Arthur, the main event, now 19 and oh, sorry, he wasn't the main event. Archie Sharp was the main event, wasn't he? But Lyndon Arthur, 19 and 0. Um, David Ferracci in the other corner posed a few threats, to be honest with you, the Italian fighter. He was TKO'd in round nine. He's lost his O. He's 15 and 1. But um, Lyndon Arthur had to, had to do some thinking in there. He seemed to be in control early on. Then the mid-rounds, I'm not sure what happened. He seemed to get quite tired, Lyndon Arthur. I think he tried to put a lot of energy into getting his man out of there in one of the rounds. And then it, it seemed to zap his, his engine a little bit. It was for the WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title. Farachi down twice in that ninth round. Another fight I thought could perhaps go the distance. Um, but yeah, he got him out there in the end. Friend of the show, Lyndon Arthur. All the best to him. And also, the man that we spoke to on last week's show, Zach Parker, now 21-0. I cannot believe it, but he stole the show for sure. A first-round knockout against Sherzod Kuzinov, the um, the former two-time Olympian, now 22-3 and with a draw. He'd never been stopped. He'd upset a few prospects along the way, and Zach Parker takes him out in a round. I tell you what... He is a special fighter, and I'm so happy he's now with Frank Warren. He's now got a big-time promoter behind him. He's been a guy boxing on shows here, there, and everywhere. He's a guy that just gets thrown on these cards, uh, you know, wherever he's needed. He'll go anywhere, and he hasn't had it easy. And like I say, WBO number one. Um, at super middleweight, you know, he's, he's in line to fight Canelo. I'm not sure if that fight's going to end up happening. He doesn't have a massive name, but, um, I tell you what, he gives so many fighters trouble. I want to see him stepped up. I tell you what, I think he wants to step up too. Um, it was for the WBO international super middleweight title. It was a body shot that, that got Kuzinov out of there in the end, a left hook to the body, Zach Parker, 21 and 0. Um, that is it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, it's time now to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new WBO Global Super Featherweight Champion. It is, of course, the undefeated Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show, mate. Thank you for having me on, mate. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Arch. That's the truth, mate. So we last Lovely. caught up back in August of last year, so almost a whole year ago. Uh, it was just after yep. the Jeff Afori fight. It's been a rough 12 months for you since then. Just tell the listeners about some of those those struggles that you know they may not have heard about, obviously the big injury that you, that you suffered and so on. 
Yeah, so obviously I was in camp when I was at the beginning of the year ready to go out on the Frampton card um, and Jamel when it was first due to be scheduled. It Was it February? Was, am I right, February? I, Early I this year, wasn't it? Useless. <laughs> um, and then they ended up going to Dubai, didn't it? So yeah, at the beginning of the year, I was supposed to be out, broke my arm. Then uh, I had to have um, an operation and then come back into camp. And then obviously COVID happened with my opponents and then that got pulled out. And then, yeah, we finally got in the ring in... In July, uh, new trainer, new baby. Uh, what else? Is you, you name it. There's a, there's a list full of things uh, that have happened, but it's all been good though. It's been it's, it's been a it's been a tough road, but an exciting journey, and and it's all paid off. Do you know what I mean? It's it's all paying off. Yeah, new date, new baby, new trainer, new opponent, new belt. Um, initially, you were you were set to box Marcio Souza, I believe it was. You ended up boxing, obviously. Diego Andre Chavez, who may not have had as pretty of a record, but was a much better fighter, in my opinion, than than Souza. Um, tell me how you sum up your performance on Saturday night, Arch. Yeah, definitely a lot tougher than Souza's. But um, to be honest with you, he was a lot more tough than I anticipated. To be honest with you, a very tough Mexican. Uh, I say strong in not so much in probably punch power. Wasn't like a concussive puncher, but you know, just one of them typical strong Mexican styles and. And obviously fit, very durable. And, uh, yeah, like I say, just another word, but tough. And, um, yeah, it was good. It was it was nice to be back. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed enjoyed the night. And, it, and obviously, it was nice to be back winning clearly. You're not having them... Obviously, back in August, it was quite of a... It was a bit of um, a sketchy... Uh, how would you say it, Joe? Close fight. Say that last it? Jeff, close fight yeah. when it was a close fight. But now... Winning seven, eight rounds, um, it's nice to be back winning and then win good winning ways. And have you watched the fight back? I know sometimes you don't like to watch things back straight away. Yeah, no, do you know what? I watched it back the minute I walked through the front door, actually. So I stayed up to about three, four o'clock in the morning watching it a couple of times. Watched it again uh, the day after and, and again on Monday. So I have watched it a, a, a fair few times. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, all, with everything that's gone on, overall it was a good performance. Do you know what I mean? Like, with everything that's happened... Uh, first fight with my new team, obviously getting a bad clash of red cuts uh, in the eighth round, and I think we dealt with everything pretty well. And obviously, as you highlighted, it was your first fight with your new trainer, Al Smith. Um, you've been training hard for months in that gym. I know you've been sparring everyone in there. Um, how is that going? Because it's been two training camps or two and a half training camps for one fight in the end. Yeah, so I, it's been going really well. My, my fitness levels were at the the fittest I've ever been in any fight, do you know what I mean? The energy levels I had there were, were through the roof, so that wasn't ever a question. Uh, my timing, I'd probably say, if I'm honest, was a little bit out. I think being a year out and whatever, and having injuries and whatever else, I think that it's fair to say that my timing was, wasn't as where it always was. But, uh, but yeah, it was good. It was good to be in with a team. Uh, like I say, there's a lot of positives to take from that fight. Um, there's still a few things that we need to tweak on. Um, you think I've had 19 fights with my old trainer and, and being with him with Richard from the age of seven, you get set in ways. Do you know what I mean? So it's not all gonna all gonna happen in one fight. And I overwhelmed myself a little bit because I've been working so hard and I've been a million dollars in the gym. I just really wanted to show everyone, and uh, I probably tried to get a knockout at the first couple of rounds. And then after four or five rounds, I sat down and. I knew this kid was here for the, for the rest of the night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Typical Mexican. Um, what is next, Arch? I know that obviously you've got one eye on the very top of the division, as you should as a man ranked in the top uh, the top two. Um, but when do you want to be next out, ideally? 
because uh, I've got the little, I had a few stitches in my head. I've got to get them sorted out. But uh, soon as, mate, I'm, the momentum's there now. I, I want to be, I keep myself in good shape um, and keep myself very fit, ready to go again. There's not a mode waiting around and I want to be at ASAP. Do you know what I mean? Just keep the momentum going. Uh, whether it will be with the Shakur or the Jamel Herrings, I don't know yet because I don't know what them, them two are planning to do at the minute. I'm just waiting. Uh, but either way, keeping busy, keeping up that level, uh, I'll step up if I've got to have another fight in between. Um, just step up and beat a better pe- opponent than obviously on um, on Saturday. Just keep just keep improving the opponents and just keep getting better and better and just keep winning. That's the main key, I think, to it all, Joe. Just keep winning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think ideally it would be great if you box perhaps on the uh you know the week before or the week after or even the same week as their fight which looks like it's going to be happening just so you're fresh in the minds of boxing fans that will be tuning in so they know who is going to sort of be next in line uh it's looking like they're going to be boxing Shakur Stevens and Jamel Herring they're talking about September or October I think it's more so leaning towards October how do you see that fight playing out now though after seeing I guess Jamel's last fight against Frampton and Shakur's last fight against uh Nakafilla well, they say you're only as good as your last fight, and I think Jamel obviously come off with a great win over Frampton, made a big statement there, uh, not just by beating him, he, he obviously ended up stopping him. So I think that was a major statement to make. So it'd be interesting. Styles make fights at the end of the day. Um, if Shakur thinks he's just going to turn up and just beat an old Jamel Herring, then he's got he's got another thing coming, do you know what I mean? But it's going to be a great fight either way. Uh, I was always edging to Shakur Stevenson to win I am at the minute. I'm at the 50-50 stage at the minute. Well, wait. Do you know what I mean? What do you, what, what, how would you see that? Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. You know Jamel's my man. I got to go with Jamel. Shakur's. It's not a bad shot though, is it? 50 they're, 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 they're both on par, aren't they? Yeah, it's a great. It's, it's a great fight. I think that again, based off of the last couple performances. Um, you know, I think a lot of people initially were thinking that Shakur is good enough to just whitewash uh, Jamel Herring, but I think after recent performances, they don't think that anymore. I think a lot of people are now tipping yeah. Herring. I actually think, bias aside, I am signing with Herring, maybe 60, 40, something like that. Um, Shakur obviously been on the show a couple of times. I like Shakur as a person, but it's a great fight. Um, it, it's a great fight. I saw Shakur the other day respond to something someone said on Twitter. Uh, the tweet read that, that he responded to it. said, Archie Sharp, trust in the process as he chases down WBO title shot and Shakur Stevenson showdown. Now, Shakur responded to that on Twitter by saying, I don't even have the belt yet. But what I don't think he or some others understand here, Arch, is that the golfing you is to win a world title like everyone else but almost as much as winning a world title you want to prove yourself against Shakur Stevenson you want to you want to fight this guy even if there isn't a belt on the line you want to test yourself against the best am I right in saying that yeah I think that's fair to say because obviously I've heard it from the man himself Bob Arum who's obviously a great a great legend in the sport and he's saying that he believes that Shakur's uh, one of the best fighters around at the minute um, and they're all kind of painting him with that brush that he is the best one going to be one of the boxing's main uh, faces so of course I'm, I want to I want to just show people that I can be that I am that man do you know what I mean I want to be the pay-per-view king I want to be the best in the business I don't want to be second best to no one and if they're saying that Shakur is the next best thing then that's why I'm aiming to beat him title or no title there you go. There we have it. And just finally, Archie, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words, perhaps, perhaps to the listeners, perhaps to any sponsors, perhaps to Jamel Herring or or Shakur Stevenson, do whatever you like. The floor is yours. 
Yeah, just to say that um, thanks to everyone who's tuning in, supporting all the critics, everywhere, whoever you are, thank you very much because I much appreciate it. And uh, just stay tuned because the best of Archer Sharp is still yet to come. But we do, all we keep doing is winning sort of 20, 20 and 0 now and, and I will be winning that world title and, and I'll be look good doing it as well. Okay, listen, Arch, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Thank you for your time. Congrats once again on the win and we'll talk again soon. Lovely. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Just one piece of news to bring you all. Um, August 14th is the date for the Franco Maloney free fight. Uh, Joshua Franco taking on Andrew Maloney. That, like I say, is set to take place August 14th. Can Maloney finally get that redemption? The first fight was a close-ish fight. I think Joshua Franco did enough to win it. They had the rematch where... Um, Maloney cut Franco and they said it was a head clash even though replay showed it absolutely wasn't and it went down I think as a no contest and he was winning that fight even though we'd only seen two rounds so we shall see what happens in the trilogy fight on the undercard we've got Arnold Barboza taking on Antonio Moran, and we get to see the pro debut of Nico R. Lee Walsh, the grandson of the greatest. Uh, that's it, though, for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that takes place Friday, this Friday, July 16th, at the Legends Event Center in Phoenix, Arizona. One fight to mention over here. Friend of the show, former world champion Raimundo Beltran, 36-9 and with a draw, takes on Daniel Osorio who's 12 and 20 with two draws. Not sure what's going on over there, but it's over eight rounds. Moving out now to Poland. This one over here, another strange one. Krzysztof Blodarczyk, um, 58 and four with a draw in an eight-rounder against Vadim Novopashin, who's six and two. What on earth is going on with these mismatches? Moving out now to the White Sands Event Center in Plant City, Florida, USA. Over here... Um, Fanlong Meng of China, I think he's been out of the ring, must be probably almost two years now, 16-0, and 0. I remember he, he didn't burst onto the scene, but you know, he was a good amateur, turned pro, put together some wins, he boxed Frank Buglioni and stopped him in Monaco, since then he hasn't really capitalised, especially... Um, you know, worldwide style. I think he's got a lot of promise. He was set to take on someone for a world title at some point. I think the fight fell through. I think it was Artur Baturbiev, actually. Anyway, he's in against Victor Calderas, who is 18 and 10 with a draw. It's for the IBF International Light Heavyweight title. Nothing else on that undercard of note. And the final card to mention at the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas, USA. This one's going to be on Showtime. It was one of the best fights on their schedule that they announced back in April. Uh, decent undercard fight between Amilcar Vidal, who's 12-0. I think he's about 11 KOs off the top of my head, maybe something like that, 11-10. He takes on Emmanuel Alim, who is 18-2 with two draws. There's also a decent fight between Bakram Mutazaliev, who is 18-0. Mutazaliev, yeah, 18-0. I think he has about 12 or 13 or 14 knockouts. He gets in against Kieri Gray, who's 16 and 5. That is over eight rounds there. But the main event is what we're tuned in for. For the WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO World Super Welterweight titles, um, I wasn't aware that this was a undisputed fight. It can't be an undisputed fight. Hang on just a second. Um... 
Oh no, it is a complete undisputed fight. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Jamel uh, Charlo holds the WBA, WBC and IBF world title, whereas Brian Castaño in the other corner holds the WBO. So someone's about to become undisputed at 154. We love to see it. Um, Jamel Charlo, 34-1, takes on Brian Carlos Castaño, 17-0, with a draw. Um, I'm going to tell you, Eddie, this is going to be a fantastic fight. Believe you me, I think it goes to points. I think Jamel Charlo might snatch it on points. It might even be a bit of a kind of hometown decision, because I'm telling you, this guy is a really good fighter, Castaño, the Argentinian fighter. Um, you know, he's got that one draw, which was to Eris Landi Lara back in 2019. A lot of people felt he deserved to win that fight. He's coming off a win, of course, earlier this year to Patrick Texera, the Brazilian. He was able to beat him, and that was where he became world champion. But this guy is a guy with deep pedigree, man. You look at his amateur career, he was able to beat the likes of... Um, Sergei Derevyanchenko in the amateurs. He was able to beat Errol Spence in the amateurs. This guy is a real, real problem. And it's going to be one of the toughest fights, I think, that can be made in that division for Jamel Charlo. But either way, we're going to see one proper champion at 154, which is a hot division. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Anytime you get a guy, a, a fight that is for all the marbles, <clears throat> so to speak, and... and you know, for to to be the undisputed best, man, it's always a good time. It's always a good situation. You get one champion, which you know, I mean, back in the olden days, you know, that 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 was pretty common. Nowadays, people are protecting their pockets, they're protecting their image. A lot of times, they don't want to fight certain guys because it's a bad matchup. And you know, back in the day, they didn't have that luxury. So now it's nice to see that there's guys actually stepping up to the plate and willing to put it all in the line and possibly lose. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. That's what the sport is about, to see who the very best is. And sometimes on that night, it's not the guy that you may think. You know what I mean? So it's always uh, it's always nice to see these types of things. Leave it up in the air, kind of like see what happens. I mean, most likely, you know, from from just watching Charlo, is, you know, I, I, I'm thinking he's, you know, probably going to be on, you know, the favorite. But you never know. That's why they fight. Even though you don't fight on paper, you fight in the ring. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's close. I think he's the slight favorite, Jamel Charlo. He's coming off some decent form, three knockout wins in a row. Um, you know, ever since losing to Tony Harrison, but like we say, he come back and knocked him out. That's what you do. Um, but no, he's in fine form as well. You know, it's it's a great fight. Both guys, thirty-one years of age. Uh, Brian Castaño, though the 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 pedigree is so deep. Jamel Charlo cannot afford to overlook this guy. Castaño, I think, boasts an amateur record of a hundred and eighty-one and five. So this guy is no joke. Um, but anyway, that's it for the preview part of the show. I cannot wait for that fight there. I really cannot wait for it. But that's it for the preview part. Just before we wrap up this show, it's been kind of bite-sized this week. Um, a few personal issues have, have kept everything quite uh, restricted, quite brief. You know, there's a lot of other things I've got to get on with in my personal life. So I thank everyone for listening once again. But just before we wrap up uh, part two here, the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 300 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the undefeated super featherweight world contender, Mr. Archie Sharp. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. The rematch between Josh Warrington and Maurizio Lara is on. It's set for September 4th in Leeds. On the undercard, we get to see Katie Taylor defend her undisputed titles against the former featherweight who has only had one fight in three and a half years, Jennifer Han. Also, Maxi Hughes steps up against the man that just knocked out James Tennyson, that man being Giovanni Straffon. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.